Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi, and joining me to take your stock-related questions this evening are Jean-Pierre Fester from Protea Capital Management and Wayne McCurry from F&B Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions, please SMS 41392 or email stockwatch at bdtv.co.today. Uh, for the time being, we have only Jean-Pierre on <laughs> the screen with us, as Wayne is rather late this evening. Jean-Pierre, nice to chat to you on a Wednesday night. Um, it wasn't a particularly great day for the market, and I think there were two shares that maybe would have affected quite a few South Africans' portfolios, um, the, uh, the decline of which would have done so, namely British American Tobacco and Sassel. Um, if we can start with British American Tobacco, that's, that's quite a thing to have a 10% decline on a share that size. Um, but I guess inevitable when you take a $25 billion impairment against the value of your present assets. Correct. Quite a number, $25 billion. <laughs> Pounds. <laughs> pounds, <laughs> sorry. Pounds, yeah. Right, right down <laughs> like that and still uh, continue doing business. But it is such a big company that they can. And they would, of course, tell you that it's a non-cash charge. So it's just an accounting entry. Uh, you, you, you debit uh, um, the income statement and you credit the goodwill on the balance sheet and poof, 25 billion pounds just goes away. And it has no cash effect. Now, that might be true, but the real cash effect was a couple of years ago when they bought uh, the US business, the Lorry Lard business, and they effectively overpaid by 25 billion pounds. That is what is implied by the announcement today. So quite often when you get write downs and it being non-cash, you need to go all the way back to the actual entries, the acquisition that caused these line items to find their way onto the balance sheet. And this is the consequence of overpaying years ago. So it does mean that going forward, the amortization of the remaining goodwill is actually less so the forward earnings will actually be boosted by this write down today that's obvious that's uh, often called kitchen sinking yes um, so they are kitchen sinking uh, the results um, to some extent uh, but then it's not just accounting the fact that the market looked at this and you know the shares were down almost 10 percent also means that people see that it is more difficult in the combustible cigarette market the expectations are lower and british american tobacco have now said that they see a smoke-free future for them they want the non-tobacco non well non-smoking part still tobacco still nicotine but the more smokeless products and new generation yeah. products to be half of revenue by 2030. so um, that was the silver lining but a lot to be concerned about i think it's maybe a little bit of overreaction today down nine percent Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, quite a big move for a big share. But you know, Jean-Pierre, consistently the argument has been against, and, and so there's, there's two schools of thought in the South African market. The one that posits that British American tobacco, you get a big chunky dividend yield, it's a very stable business, it's got lots of cash on the books, and so that's a good thing. The other argument is that its business is dying, its people, um, its customers die as a result of its business, um, and now you're transitioning to a smokeless world. So actually would you venture anywhere near british american tobacco at this point in time given this so we do own it in the funds under our management and what i would say is the positive about the smokeless future is you can get people hooked on a nicotine type substance without killing them and that's brilliant that's a brilliant business model um so i would love a company that can sell something that's addictive without them killing their customers so it's a better business to be in new generation products versus actual cigarettes and that's why uh, I'm slightly positive on the future of British American tobacco, especially at this valuation. Even though the cigarette business is dying, 
there's a new business growing, which is a better, more ethical business. Mm. Wayne, good evening to you. Nice to see you there. Yes. Um, yes, as you can hear, we're talking about British American yeah. Tobacco, which obviously had a, a fairly profound impact on the JSE today. Um, so where would you stand at this point, um, having now seen what they've done with the impairment, um, what's happened to the share price? Would you abandon the stock or would you actually buy more of it if you didn't actually look, have it? Look, um, I mean, as JP said there, the move to vaping is actually quite positive. Um, you go somewhere socially now, you don't see anyone smoking a cigarette, but there's lots of people vaping. There's actually lots of people vaping. The margins, I don't know, it's intensely competitive because you haven't really got a brand to fall back on, which you did with cigarettes. You know, there was a brand you could fall back on. And there was a lot of value in that brand until they worked out that the, the market's disappearing quicker than what they thought. And then they write off 25 billion pounds against that. And they're still amortizing the other 50 billion pounds at 1.8 billion, whatever, per year that they're amortizing. And I must say, I find it a little bit annoying when, when uh, and, and it's not just British American tobacco, it's right across the whole industry, when people say, oh, no, it's just a book entry. Yes. <laughs> it's not a book entry. You paid that. You paid up in real money for that. And now it's not worth what you paid for it. But I, I would be a little bit more maybe circumspect. I think this... Uh, it's going to happen, but it's going to take longer than anticipated because, you know, you're not going to replace all of the tobacco smokers with the non the non burn products now, the, the, the new the new age product. You're not going to replace them overnight. So you might still suffer some declining in your primary market before the other market takes off. On a 10 year view, I think the business strategy is sound. But in the interim, they've stated quite clearly they're spending big capex on this. Eh? Yeah. There's big cash going to be thrown at this one because you've got to build them in the cigarette brands that they own are, I don't know, 50 years old, 100 years old. Now you've got to build this brand new brand and there are plenty of people in this market on the vaping side. I mean, I don't know how many competitors they got. So, you know, it's an intensely competitive. In fact, in their statement, they actually moaned a little bit about the illegal trade or the unethical trade in the vaping side. So I think longer term, yes, but the shorter term, these transition points are quite difficult sometimes to manage. And also, I yeah. mean, they themselves say that, uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not easy, they say. No, indeed. Yes, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, as Rampi was saying, you can just, with a flick of a pen, uh, make that bad money decision go away. Um, okay, well, talking about um, companies that have impaired things this year, Transaction Capital is one of them. And a viewer sends a question in saying, a shout out to Transaction Capital. The taxi industry is an extremely important industry and will continue to be so, especially in light of the collapse of rail infrastructure and I suppose the, the absence really of major bus services. I hold TCP shares. We Buy Cars and Newton are very good businesses. Do you foresee an unbundling of We Buy Cars and a listing of this unit, and would you be a buyer of the company's shares? Um, Jean-Pierre. It was an interesting comment that was made at the um, results presentation that they are considering unbundling We Buy Cars. Um, if they do get it right, I think it's one of the worst draftings of a lender agreement ever. If you're allowed to unbundle the most valuable parts of a group while you leave the debt in the group and you effectively leave the debt holders with an empty shell. Um, so that'd be very interesting if they get it right. If they do, 
kudos to them and well done for the negotiating in terms of the um the debt agreements they have um but i think it'll be more difficult than that the positive is that most of the debt is ring fenced within sa taxi there is some leakage uh, uh into newton and rebuy cars for instance newton mentioned in the results presentation that they are finding it difficult to get other lines of credit just because a sister subsidiary is a taxi is under so much pressure so there is some contagion but it sounds like almost completely the debt is ring fenced within sa taxi and the worst scenario would potentially be that sa taxi goes bust but that rebuy cars and newton survive and that's not too bad for shareholders again it's not great for debt holders but if you're a shareholder mm. it's not quite as bad as what people thought it might have been and then finally you don't need the taxi industry to have a detriment if SA Taxi goes under. It just means that whoever lent the money to taxi owners will have a hard time getting the money yeah. back, or will have write-downs, will need to build new operational capacity. But um, the taxi industry will continue, but that does not necessarily mean that SA Taxi will survive. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, Wayne, as, as Jean-Pierre points out, it's not often that you have the debt holders <laughs> who are come after the shareholders. Normally, it's the shareholders who really get steamrolled by any um, re yes. major issue in the company. So that's quite a sort of a curious turn of events, really. Yeah. Look, they, they, they spoke extensively about, you know, we've got our capital in SA taxis, but there's no more. You know, we've, we've stated our commitment here. And you know, reading between the lines there, it's up to the to the to the to the to the providers of debt to now make a plan to make sure the business carries on, etc., etc., etc. But I've I've um, you know my experience is that yes, legally the debt might be ring fenced, but you know if you just stand back and say, well, we're walking away now, you take all the pain here. Try and get some more debt. Try and get financing somewhere else from anyone else in the industry. So, I mean, quite often what you find is, yes, legally it's ring fence, but morally, if you stand behind these loans, the banks will come back and say, listen, you know, the only reason why we gave it to you was that, you know, you as shareholder of substance who stood behind these loans. So we expect you to make good. And if you don't make good, you know, that's it. You're not mm. getting any more credit from us. And this is a very, very small community. Eh? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, I'm not sure whether they can just walk. Okay. So, Even then, though legally yeah. the debt okay. is ring, ring fenced. And then onto the question, though, of would you buy We Buy Cars? I mean, it's, I'm sorry, uh, Transaction Capital. You have actually seen the share price rally quite quite nicely notwithstanding the kind of results that it put out i mean coronation has upped its stake even further so now they own more than 25 percent of the company and that, that was announced on sense today would either of you be a buyer wayne maybe just sticking with you before i go back to you jean pierre you have yeah. you have said that you would buy transaction capital in the past would you continue yes now? i have and, and i was unfortunately dramatically wrong because i thought you'd buy it after the first disastrous news came out and then the second disastrous news comes out, and then the third disastrous <laughs> news come out, and then the management's kicked out. And but if it's a if you view this as a pure punt as option money, in other words, double or zero, why not? Okay, Jean Pierre. Well, similar to Wayne, I was also a little bit early in buying, and I, I have been buying, but I kept on buying because I <laughs> I started relatively slowly. So I think the average in price for our funds is ten rand a share. Okay. Now trading at eight rand a share. They're still twenty percent down, which isn't pleasant. But um, I also think um, there's the, the worst 
hasn't happened. And again, in the announcement, they say technically there was a cross default, but the the the, the lenders said they'll uh, they'll um, condone it uh, to March. So there's a little bit of uncertainty left, uh, but I'm still I, I would say a nervous holder at a okay. share. Okay. The viewer says it baffles me that analysts are baffled by RAND weakness. My thoughts, the JSE is to a large extent to play on China and the RAND will struggle when China struggles. Uh, think miners and Richemont as examples. Further reason for the RAND's woes, lackluster slash pitiful economic growth, extreme levels of unemployment, uh, increased offshore exposure from Reg 28, etc. As Rupert uh, currently points out, correctly points out, um, who wants to invest in a country that can't even produce enough electricity? With having said all of that, I see the RAND breaching 20 to the dollar within the next couple of months. Where does the panel see the RAND going? Uh, Wayne, do you think that bearishness okay, is look, I, mean, I, bang, I, I bang this drum just about every day of my last <laughs> the, we all know the problems with South Africa. We all know the government and we all know the electricity and transnet and service delivery and inefficiencies and bribery and corruption. And none of that's new. But the biggest single negative influence on the RAND, well, the biggest single influence, either positive or negative, is still the commodity cycle. It has been for the last, I don't know, 80 years since the discovery of gold and diamonds, 100 years. And now, of course, the commodities have changed, but we are still primarily a commodity producing country. And our positive and negatives on the RAND, on the economy, is still primarily driven by the commodity cycle. We're in a down cycle now. You can look at the price of platinum, palladium, iron ore, coal. The whole lot have collapsed. And what else do you expect other than bad news when that happens? Now, that cycle can turn. I think it will turn because it's following absolutely normal patterns. So RAND weakness now is, is completely normal. There's nothing abnormal about the RAND weakness we're seeing now. But if that stays in case and the cycle turns, the RAND can appreciate 30%, 40% because it's done it every single other time. Remember the last time the RAND panicked, uh, you know, 2008, I think it hit 13 or 14, you know, the next stop was 650. Yeah. You know, then, then you had the 2014, 2015, also got up to uh, sort of 17, 18, somewhere around there. You know, the next stop was 1350. The RAND can strengthen, and we are now evaluating the RAND and South Africa in the worst possible light at the bottom of a commodity cycle, and it can turn. Yeah. So if you want to panic, take your money out. Hmm, you okay. ought to do it, but I, I think it's completely the wrong thing to do. You're panicking in a dire set of circumstances that by and large is cyclical, not structural. Hmm. Jean-Pierre, I can't ask you for your thoughts on, uh, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to ask about your crystal ball <laughs> forecast, but um, based on all the facts that we have before us, do you think there is going to be a turn in the commodity cycle and ergo an improvement in the RAND's fortunes in the next six months to a year sure so the issue i have with the question is the six months to a year part. <laughs> yeah, six months I, I, I do think it's impossible to call within six months to a year i agree with wayne that anything can happen including a, a strengthening of the rand but that's why when it comes to currencies notwithstanding that this is stock watch not forex watch yes. i look at the long-term interest rate differentials and if you look at the typical SA government bonds um, in dollars, they are yielding 9 to 10%. And U.S. government bonds are yielding 4 to 
So that's called it a 5% interest rate differential. Over the long term, I would therefore expect the RAND to weaken by roughly 5% per annum against the dollar. Not in a straight line, but that's what I expect over the long term. Now, to get from where we are now, just under 19 to 20, is 5%. So I would not be surprised if we are at 20 RAND against the dollar in a year's time. But similarly, if the commodity cycle turns, and I have no idea if it will in the coming year, I would not be surprised if the RAND strengthens. But over the long term, I would expect the RAND to have a weakening trend against the dollar. Okay. All right. Well, let's go back to Stockwatch, seeing as it's not Forex Watch. Um, mm -hmm. There is a question on uh, from a young investor, and he says, um, this will be the 4th December that I buy shares or ETF for my teenagers of their choosing. Uh, my 16-year-old daughter, Kaylee, would like the panelist's opinion of a tech stock called Skyworks versus NVIDIA on the basis that Skyworks PE is 16 versus NVIDIA's plus minus 60, which makes it look expensive. Um Wayne, I don't know if you know of a company yeah. called Skyworks. I, I, I don't know the company, so I can't comment on that. But I can comment about price earnings ratios and relatives. Just because one company is at 60 and the other is at 6 does not necessarily make the one cheap and the other one very expensive. If you are at a 60 price earnings, but you're doubling your 60 price earnings ratio, but you're doubling your earnings for the next two or three years, 60 is cheap. If you had a six PE ratio, but your earnings are going backwards the next two or three years, the share is expensive. So whenever you evaluate a share, you must not evaluate it on the pure price earnings ratio. And I'll come back to that. You must evaluate it on the price earnings ratio relative to the expected earnings for at least the next two years. Yeah. If you take a company that has relatively stable earnings over a sustained time period, and it gets to a 6 PE where it normally trades as an 8, then you can say a 6 is cheap because it's normal. It's normally an 8, and the company has proven that it's got relatively uh, good earnings profile, etc., etc., etc. But you, you, you cannot just evaluate the price-earnings ratio okay. on its okay. own. You've got to evaluate it relative to the expected yeah. uh, uh, earnings for the next two years, at least the next two years. Okay. So that is very helpful stock market 101 um, information for any investor. Um, Jean-Pierre, do you know the company called Skyworks? And if you had to evaluate Skyworks versus NVIDIA, how would you stack them up? So I, I looked at Skyworks a few years ago, and from what I remember, they, are, they make uh, telecommunication chips, 5G chips. So their sales are very much linked to mobile handset sales. And the latest models would have the latest chips, 5G chips, so they would benefit from the latest mobile phones uh, of Apple and Samsung and the rest. Um, that is still a industry with less competitive, competitive advantage. It's more competitive than the industry that NVIDIA is in, which is a different kind of chip, a GPU, a graphic processing unit, which these days are not just used for graphics. It's, been, uh, it's the chosen chip for artificial intelligence as well. Mm. Now, I do think that the growth expectations for the AI industry, if you look at GPT and a few other things, chat GPT, um, is much better than the growth of mobile handset sales. That's already a relatively mature industry worldwide. So notwithstanding the cheaper starting valuation, to Wayne's point, I would probably have a preference to NVIDIA but then again, I do think that if the AI craze does not continue for, call it, four years or longer, this high growth we are seeing, then NVIDIA's share price will also come down. 
So, you know, there's a third option, and that is neither. So I'll go for that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons, but <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Um, a, a couple of very quick questions on two little South African shares. ArcelorMittal, good price now to buy. When, um, do you think so, or is it just too much stacked against it? No, I, I know the Arcelor share price has been very volatile and going up and going down, but no. The, the point is South Africa's steel demand has never been big enough to justify its own steel production. We just do not get the same economies of scale. You're just not making enough steel. So fundamentally, unless, you, unless the government protects you and gives you protection, we shouldn't have a steel industry that, that it's just not big enough demand to get the volume through you just can't compete against the big steel mills that are 50 no. times your size in output so i wouldn't buy i, I wouldn't buy it at all it, under no circumstances quite frankly yeah i think we've got the ArcelorMittal um, international price there on, on the screen not ArcelorMittal south africa but your point is taken um and jean-pierre if i may ask you a different stock before i get to your stock picks master drilling um it's a company that's sort of grinding away it's it's a very interesting company but it sounds like you sort of feel like master drilling has never really met the promise that the market um that a lot of punters have attached to it what's your thoughts about it now agreed agreed so notwithstanding the um drilling technology which they say is a competitive advantage the way that they drill from the bottom up rather than from the top down um i do think that as you said earlier we're in a negative commodity cycle it's normally the type of capex that is spent very early in a cycle when new shafts are sunk and therefore uh, it'll be a long time before this commodity cycle gets back to the point when new shafts are sunk so uh, i'll be cautious um uh, it, it, you know, uh, it's probably the best company in Fochmel, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to own it. Uh, there are other companies to consider as well. Okay. All right. And I'm sorry, there, there were a few questions, one on Sassel, one on City Lodge AVI, uh, but I don't have time for them. So hopefully Zanati will cover those tomorrow night, but I will, shall get your stock picks rather. Wayne, what takes your fancy at the moment? Look, I'm going for property company Growth Point. Uh, I've read now in on many companies, many, many property companies, when they come out with their results now, the worst seems over for the industry. Office vacancies, even though they're still high, are actually going down. Uh, negative rental reversions, in other words, when, the, when you sign a new lease, your actual price per square meter comes down, that negative reversion is still negative, but it's significantly less than what it was. Overall vacancies, you know, are, are down and you're getting half decent rental escalation in your new leases that you're signing. You're getting five, six percent rental escalations. And I mean, growth point in particular, I mean, choosing growth point because it's the biggest and probably the most well diversified, but you're getting a 12 percent starting dividend yield. I know you pay tax on it. But that just seems like reasonably good value to me in an industry that's maybe over the worst. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jean-Pierre, how about you? My stock pick tonight is Life Healthcare Group. Um, they have announced the sale of AMG that should be wrapped up early next year. And with that cash in the bank, uh, Shell is looking forward to a special dividend of between four rand and five rand a share. That's what's expected. And what you're then left with is a South African hospital group. And 
let's let's be honest the south african hospital industry isn't too exciting and life healthcare hasn't really shown positive operating gearing so that's a bit disappointing but the other part of the business that you'll get is also life molecular imaging where they sell um but it's called a tracer a radioactive agent that assists in when um, scans are done specifically in the u.s through new technology for alzheimer's and a new um, drug that is being used for alzheimer's in the u.s so the expectation is that lmi will grow strongly in the next two to three years while the sa hospital business will at least be stable and notwithstanding NHI, and I see it's been passed through the National mm. um, um, Council, uh, Council of Provinces, Provinces tonight. Um, you know, it, it's not quite as bad for hospital groups as it is for insurers, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of legal challenges as well. So Life Healthcare is not too badly placed in South Africa with the hospital service, plus the upside from LMI, plus a special dividend on its way. So that's my stock pick tonight. Okay, James, we shall leave it there. Thank you very much for all the wisdom um, that you have shared with us this evening. Much appreciated. Uh, Jean-Pierre Fester is from Protea Capital Management. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. And coming up next to the close, stay with us.